you're listening to the Way Community Church Lakeland podcast, where our mission is to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus Christ, that they might become fully devoted followers of Christ. We hope this message from our weekend service encourages you in your walk with the Lord. And now, here's the message. Hey guys, um, awesome. I... Some of the one of the things I don't like about having such an awesome church is when we have such great worship services, and then I'm crying, and now I have to talk, and I don't know how to think right now. Um, hey, we wanted to kind of give some time. Uh, has a lot of time. Several months have passed since we've given you guys kind of an update on where we are with the building. So we wanted to just take a couple minutes and explain to you guys what's going on. Some of y'all don't know. We're in contract for um, another building, which we're so thankful for. After searching for 10 years, the Lord has given us um, the opportunity to have a new home, and so we're really thankful for that. It's about a block and a half from here, which is really quite special, and it really cements us in the neighborhood uh, that we've been ministering in for, I don't know, 10 years, uh, 11 years, and so we're thankful for that. It gives us quite more space, um, and so one of the problems of this facility that has caused there's many uh issues that this we love this building it's a blessing and a curse um in so many ways but we uh we we just don't have space to have all of the ministries and all the meetings and all the events that we want to do oftentimes we have to pick between which meeting is more important today than the other one and that's just really not okay when the lord has an agenda and people have a vision and they want to have shared space. And so we're thankful for this opportunity that God has opened up. And so what we have done over the last several years is we've been putting money away, putting money away, putting money away. And so we were thankful that over the last two and a half years, we've been able to save $500,000 to go towards a building. And so what has been really neat is this year, we were able to uh, keep that $500,000 and put two um, amounts of secured amounts into a secured, like a high interest security thing with Jigger. Uh, I'm not the financial guy, and so we will keep those funds as a like a protection safety net for our church to kind of make sure that as we move in there, if we are short in certain months or we need funds to draw from, we can draw from those things. So we don't want you to think that we're spending all of the funds. Does that make sense? So we've we've raised five hundred thousand dollars. We put one hundred and fifty thousand dollars away, and then uh, also since April that we've also done is we've been able, Brady has told me that I can tell you up to today, we've raised over $80,000 this month, or I'm sorry, this year to go into that account. So we still have about $220,000 that we want to try to, to raise so that we can um, build all the things that we want to do and purchase the majority of the things that we would like to have in that facility. We know that we're not going to have all of our checklists. Uh, as if so, we would have unicorn rides going through the sanctuary and all that, you know, or the kids' church. It'd be really messy. In the th- Anyways, there's a lot of things that we would like to have, right? And we're not going to have all those things, but we have about $220,000 to secure all of the things, the build-out costs and the needs that we we have. And so as what would I ask you to pray for? Uh, pray for right now that our our design guy uh, that's helping with the architectural drawings uh, would be able to get these things in permit in time. We filed for a 30-day extension last month, last week, I'm sorry. So we have about 20 more days to hear back from the city on all of our build-out plans. 
before our contract matures. And so at that point, we're kind of all in. And so we want you to know as uh, staff and as our operations team, the governments of our church would be my, my wife and I and Lacey and Brady, we're the operations team. And then all of our staff. Um, and then we have all of our elders and our financial board members and our board of directors. We are all in an agreement that this is good. And that alone is a miracle. To have that many opinions and everyone having peace that what we're doing is close to impossible, yet it is good for us. And it's a big growth step. And what is really cool to me is yesterday we went over to the building and we prayed as we did the week before. And we'll invite all of you, if you want to join us, next Saturday at 9 a.m. from 9 to 10. We're over there praying. Multiple visions and multiple prophetic words and a lot of scriptures came out yesterday. And it really just edified me uh, in my soul because this has been a difficult journey over the last four months. Really, I've been in conversations with this building for almost a full year now. Uh, and so it's been difficult for us to carry this, this thing, but to hear all of the intercessors saying, this is good, and we're believing, and we're trusting God, and this is really what it takes to see a breakthrough happen in your life, and I'm getting to experience it on a pretty big level for the sake of, of, of our community and the kingdom of God. And so um, I'm thankful for all of y'all praying. Please be praying that we would continue to step with wisdom and be willing to, to stop on a moment's notice. Uh, but where we are right now is we are believing for $220,000. And honest to God, what we have seen is a lot of sacrifice come in from our church. And so I don't mean to make this a building fund morning because we've not actually had a building fund conversation on a Sunday morning yet. But I want you to know that we've recognized the amount of sacrifice that has love you guys. I'm thankful. And your faith and your sacrifice is what inspires me to live for Jesus, man, and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But running with people that run hard after Jesus is beautiful. And uh, we, have a, uh, we live in a dark world right now, you know, and it's just getting darker. And uh, there's, there's a lot of people moving to Florida right now. And we're going to need to see as many churches filled with the Holy Spirit and the glory of God for this end time harvest that we know is coming. And so I'm just thankful for the sacrifices that's going to make a way for the next generation to, to really go after the Lord. Also, I, I believe that we're announcing it today. I don't know if it is mostly official, so kind of go with this with like an unofficial official announcement. Next week will be family week. The following week, I believe, is going to be a youth takeover. And so you're going to get to hear uh, multiple sermons from our youth, multiple worship songs that were written from our youth, um, some poetry, some drawings, a whole bunch of stuff. It's going to be a pretty powerful service. And so when everyone says that this, the next generation, there's not hope, I just say um, you should see what God's doing amongst our kids in our youth group. And I'm so thankful that we see as many kids come out and pack that building on a Wednesday night. Some of you don't know if, if we should be moving into this building Come on Wednesday, see what's happening down there. It's unreal. And I'm thankful that uh, my son and my daughters are, are, have, have hope because we have leaders that are crying out to God and, and laying hands. All right, I have to keep going here. Brady, did I miss anything building fun related? 
cool. We'll give you guys another update in two weeks uh, after April, but we believe that April is going to be um, a good month for us. And so you just need to know that uh, mid-May is going to be when our contract matures, and then we'll have to decide by then whether or not this is what we're doing. So be praying for the next 20 days for your pastor <laughs> a lot and, uh, and his wife and the, my kids and all the things that come related and the staff and the elders and everything. This is the time that you guys should pray and fast. And uh, we're believing for a lot of breakthroughs. Thank you for all that's given. For those of you that haven't, it's a good time too. Let me jump in here. On the note that we were all at a prayer meeting yesterday, uh, man, I have lost a lot of time there. On my, that was a long announcement, sorry. You know what? Just for my sake, some of you guys at home don't know, but I put a little clock back there for myself because I want you guys to gather and chat. Can you just reset the clock and we'll, uh, we'll do that? That'd be great. Thank you. I love you. It's just for me. None of you guys don't care. But I care about the nursery and everyone in the kids' church so they can all go to the bathroom and all the things. Can you all stand with me for the reading of God's word? This is a prophetic word that came to me yesterday uh, in regards to our church, and uh, I thought it was appropriate to share my, my translation of that word for you. This comes out of Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 and 9, and I'm actually going to read the whole passage, but for right now, I'm just going to read verses 8 and 9. While the people of Israel were still at Rephim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Malik for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. Jesus, help. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. I'm going to throw a lot of verses at you guys today, but this is just part of a big passage, and uh, sometimes I like to read the whole story, uh, but this story, I don't want to uh, steal all of the cool stuff that's about to come, because you'll, you'll forget where we're at to read ahead. Uh, but anyways, in this passage here, what, what he's uh, saying is um, the Lord is going to define himself to God's people again, and I love when God defines himself to us, and that's really his way of saying, you know me this way. But I'm going to show you who I am. And I think that's important for us to look at times in history where God has revealed himself to his people. And in this passage, what we see is a dark moment falling on the people of Israel again, who have not reached their promised land, but are in the wilderness. They're in the wilderness for years. They're waiting for God to show himself in a great, marvelous way again. But they want their home they want their place of peace. They want to be able to build their villages and build their houses and, and grow all the things. But they're in waiting. Some of you are in waiting. And what happens here is really terrible. What we see is that the people of Israel were attacked by a nation uh, called Amalek. And uh, what, I, what I think you need to know right off the bat is that bad things do happen to good people. And bad things do happen to godly people. And somewhere, I think, in, in the gospel that's being presented today, we lose sight of those like real persecutions or those real hardships because it can look really confusing in your life when you don't realize that the, the situation you're in, the Lord is really aware of it. But it can turn into a, oh God, are you real moment if you don't know this has happened throughout time, throughout all of Scripture. God's people deal with hardship. 
And I don't know what hardship you may be dealing with today. It could be conflict in your marriage. It can be conflict in your work, in your body, amongst your coworkers. It could be in your family. Maybe you have problems at your house and you feel like that's some kind of terrible persecution that you have a leak in your plumbing or I don't know what, but sometimes things go wrong and it feels like our whole world is falling apart because of it. And I just want you to know that throughout Scripture, bad things do happen to good people. And when I read this passage, it says that, that, there was, that, they were, that God's people were attacked. And then Moses says, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. And so I want you to know when something bad is happening, don't do nothing. Have a plan. Moses looks at Joshua and he says, look, you're going to go fight them. And this is what I'm going to do. And I love that he knows who he is. Moses doesn't count himself amongst the fighters. He knows that's not what he's good at. That's not what he brings. And you've got to know what you bring to the table in light of the situation that you're in. Because there may be a scenario that you don't have the resource to fix the problem. And that's largely when you do have a problem. When you don't know, that's when marriage is at its toughest. That's when health issues are at its worst. When you have a loved one that's having an illness in their body and you can't fix it. That's when you really got a problem. Moses had a problem and he couldn't fix it. And his solution to the problem was simple. Joshua, you choose some men. You guys go to war. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go climb that mountain And tomorrow, you'll see me standing there with the staff of God. What I love about this is it's important that you know that great leaders lead well with great communication. What I love about Moses is that he set an expectation on what you can do to expect of him. He said, tomorrow, you will find me there. I'll be in worship, and I'll be in prayer for you. And you'll see me with the staff of God in my hand. What you need to know is that you are a leader. You're a critical leader to people that are significant in your life. Your staff at work, some of the people you work alongside, in your marriage and amongst your family, you are a leader. And great leaders are consistent and reliable. And I see that in Moses. He said, look, you're going to go to war, and this is what you can expect of me. I'll be there, and I'll be in prayer covering you. And I think that it's important that people in your life know where your strength comes from. They know what's inside of you, and they see you in prayer. They know the goods inside of you and where it comes from, and they they watch you cry out to God. They watch you go back to the source. Like, who in your life sees you in pursuit of Jesus? Does that make sense? All right, we're just going to get better and better and better. The next part of this passage in verse 10 through 11, it says, So Joshua did what Moses commanded, and he fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses and Aaron and Hur climbed to the top of the nearby hill. And as long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had an advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the the Amalekites gained the advantage. This is interesting to me. I think, I I, I don't want to be over-spiritual in this, 
And so I'm trying to think both practically why this would happen and spiritually why this would happen. I think in a practical way, it's there's something that's an advantage to other people when they see their leader doing what they're confident that he does that provides strength to them. And so what I, what I think is, is the people of Israel knew that Moses was a great leader. And they believed that God was with him. And they believed that when Moses was seeking the Lord, they were safer. And they could fight better when Moses had his arms up. This was a, a, a symbol of surrender. That God, you can have your way in, amongst our people. And this was also a symbol of victory. And I believe that the people, as they're down on the hill fighting, every time they looked up in the corner of their eye and they saw their leader with their arms raised, they had confidence. And I believe that when they looked up and they saw him with his arms raised and they saw it as an act of surrender, they believed that God was with them and that he would protect them. And so they would fight with the same type of, of reckless abandonment, knowing you can't hurt me. I'm giving, I'm, the Lord is on my side. Like there's someone bigger behind me that it doesn't matter. You, you see what I'm saying? When you surrender, it's kind of like you've already given in, but you know that the outcome is, is great. So it's like you've surrendered your ability and now you're trying Trusting in something greater than you to come through. So when they saw Moses in surrender and in victory, it was like they gained in confidence. So the Bible says that every time his arms went up, they, they, they had an advantage. But when his arms came down, and it makes me think of several different things. So then I also wonder, in your life, do you, as a leader, do you know the power of prayer in your life? Let me, let me change the subject. Do you, do you know you, the source of your strength? Maybe it, you just believe you're crazy wise. Where, where do you get your wisdom from? Maybe you just think that you're really good with finances. Maybe you just secured a really good job. I want you to understand, folks, that there can, there will, there, I've seen thousands of situations where what you had all of a sudden can take a really quick turn in your life. And you got to know that in these moments when you don't have an advantage anymore and you don't have that secure job anymore and you don't have those, you have to know that it's in those moments where you cry out to God and you remember, oh God, it was you all along. So we have to get better at not just crying out with arms lifted high and surrender and victory when things are bad. But we want to be consistent in the whole process with our worship. Does this make sense? Israel looked at their life and said, the source of my strength and the source of, 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 of our security comes from Moses' ability to connect with God. I want that to be said of me as a pastor, as a parent, as a husband, as a friend. I want that to be said of you as a parent, as a leader, as a connect group leader, a serve team leader, or as a, like, like, what is it that you're doing? I want it to be said that the source of your life comes from your ability to connect with God. And I will not be silent on my prayer time with the Lord. I'm going to be, Lord, you can find me in worship. I won't back down. I love you. My eyes will be fixed on you. Does that make sense? What happens, though, is you may know this story. Moses' arms soon became so tired that he could no longer hold them, and Aaron and Hur had to find a stone for him to sit on. This is verse 12. So then they stood on 
uh, they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands so that his hands held steady until sunset. And as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. Create good friends in your life. Create circles of people that won't let you forget to worship. Don't just circle yourself with people that will laugh and tell you that you're great, but put people in your life that will hold you, your feet to the fire of things that matter the most. Do you have levels of accountability for the anointing in your life? I don't know what you think makes you great, but I have found in myself that there's not much good in me but the anointing of the Lord. And I want to protect that with everything in me. And so you want to have people in your life that will help you keep your arms up when you don't know how to do it anymore. People that will call you and tell your butt to get to church. Tell your butt to come over and have a prayer meeting or worship together. Like we want to have circles that make us draw closer to Jesus. What it, let me just say it, this is, um, some of you are under attack in your life right now, and you're losing the battle, and you don't realize that your arms have become so low. I, me and Trey, we watch uh, the show Survivor every once in a while, uh, uh, all the time, and uh, they also, uh, often have um, these contests where they have to hold something at a certain level, and if they tip their arm just just that much. They didn't know when, but they were holding something that is going to fall if they drop it just too low, like a little ball that's on a scale, and it's rolling around, and if they go just too much, then it falls off. And you don't know at what point that you're winning the war or you're losing the war. But momentum shifts really quickly in battle. Momentum shifts really quickly in our life. And you don't realize when you're gaining momentum or when you're losing it, but I know that the Lord is the Lord over your battle. And you want to just make sure that your eyes are fixed on him. Let me say the last part of this here. So he had two friends, uh, his, his, two, his two brothers came in and lifted his arms up. After the victory, the Lord instructed Moses, I want you to write down on a scroll with a permanent reminder and read it out loud to Joshua. I will erase the memory of Amalek from under the earth. And Moses built an altar there and he named it Yahweh Nisi which means the Lord is my banner. And uh, I just think that's the funniest thing. Let me explain practically what happened. They won the war, and they decided to build an altar. And that altar, they gave a name, the Lord is my banner. I don't know what, I, so I thought a lot about what a banner means or even symbolizes. And so I would think about the rafters in, uh, in, a, in an arena, that, that would hang big raptors that say the Celtics, they won titles this year and this year and this year. We're a great organization. Look at how much we won. Or they, they pay tribute to some of the great athletes that are Hall of Famers in their arena because we're special because these people played for us. Some banners tell the story of, of a great event that's going on. We, we, before you came into church, we put banners out on the road to let you know, hey, the Wake Community Church is over here. Fun stuff is going on. Look over here. And the Lord put up banners. He, he made it, built an ark, and he called it that the Lord is our banner. I'll bet you in that war there were banners all over the place. 
Oftentimes, when people go to war, they would march banners into war, and people would march under that, that banner, and it would give them hope and inspiration that they knew that they were fighting for their families. They were fighting for, for, for a, a, a purpose, and that banner would give them inspiration and hope. What I think about is that most militaries uh, in the, during this time would put the symbol of their strength on their banner. In other words, if their if, if their if their military strategy that made them awesome in conquering was the sword, and they had a significant sword, they'd put that sword on their banner. If it was if it was an arch, maybe they had the best archers in the world. They put those archers on there. They wanted to put fear in the other enemy. This is what's going to slay you guys. And they'd put that the, 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 their symbol of whatever their military cause was. Maybe uh, the, the, it was like a bomb or a cannon or a catapult or something wonderful. They'd put that on that banner, and it would be a symbol of strength, and everyone would be like, yeah, we're killing thousands of people because we have this. I'll bet you... As Moses stood on this side and the people were fighting the war and they looked over at their banners that they were declaring was going to be their military strategy, Moses had no strategy. They didn't put their hope in a sword. They didn't put their hope in rocks or, or arrows. They just said, see that guy up there? He's holding the staff of the Lord. And I love that on their banner it wasn't their great leader Moses. It was Moses' ability to connect with the man upstairs that was going to be their covering. The Lord is our banner. Is that They were saying the source of strength of our nation is not our military strategies. It's not our finances. It's not our intelligence. It is simply the Lord is our strength. And we live under that covering. And we move forward in our leadership and our strategies with your finances and your family and, and at work and with your careers and your lives. And you march under the banner of Jehovah Nisi. We march under his banner. Well, they've established this thing for years and years. And so as I'm going through this, I thought of three things that stood out to me that, that I want you to realize will help you as you understand the power of understanding who the Lord is the Lord is our banner. One, in this story, I've learned one thing that's very clear that I'm reminded of in my life. That one of the greatest warfare strategies the Lord has given me in my life is my ability to worship. Deb talked about it earlier, and so did, so did Lacey. Worship is my strategy. It's a crazy warfare. And... Uh, my ability to stay connected to Him all day long. What is worship? Worship is our ability to, to recognize everything that we value in giving it to Him. Everything in my life, Lord, you can have. I want nothing in my life as much as I want you. If you were worshiping at a concert this weekend, you'd be willing to, to, to give up everything to get closer to that artist. If you were worshiping at a football game, you'd be, you'd be, you'd be, and people do, man. They'd, they'd sell the farm so they could get closer in action in the football game. We worship the Lord. We want to, we, we were willing to give everything up because we want to know Him more. There's a story in the book of John, chapter 4, where Jesus connects with this woman at a well. And in this dialogue with her, she's wanting to know where life comes from. And He's saying, Look, I can give you waters that you'll never thirst again. And in this story, he explains the power of worship. He said, believe me, dear woman, 
The time is coming when you will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one that you worship, while we Jews know all about him. Salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming and indeed is here now when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In this passage, Jesus is trying to explain, ma'am, you don't need to go to the temple to worship. What you need to understand is worship, is, it's going to matter that you worship here, on this mountain, and on that mountain, and on that mountain, and on that mountain. In fact, Jesus is trying to say, I want you to worship on every mountain and in everywhere between those mountains. I want you to worship everywhere all the time. Because it matters that we walk in holiness and in purity with God. And so in this scenario where Moses has his hands up and he's worshiping the Lord and he's praying over his people. See, the Bible doesn't say that he was worshiping and the Bible doesn't say he was praying. But what I do know is that when you have a loved one that is ill or sick or hurting and people that you care about that are under your watch are suffering and you're watching them, you are praying. And so in this passage, what we know is that the Father is seeking those that will worship him. And I believe the strength of our life is our ability to connect with God in such a way that he will take care of you when you put him first. Watch this. What is God's will for you? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18, it says this, Always be joyful, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. What is God's will? For you to always be engaged in prayer. When was Israel winning? When Moses was engaged in prayer. When are you winning in your life? When are, when are we losing? When we forget to keep our hands up and we drift. We don't mean to drift, but we mentally do. What I know is there are two versions of Tim Broughton. There's an anointed one that loves God and he's connected and he's humble. And there's a selfish jerk. Y'all, I don't, get to, I don't show you guys the selfish jerk all the time. I try to show you guys the humble, kind one. But some people get to see the ugly side of me. And they don't, they don't know it and I didn't know it. In those moments it's because I have forgotten to connect with the Lord and I drifted. My worship dropped and my standard in my life dropped. And when the standard in our life drops, what happens is we let our guard down and we step into the old man. And we begin losing the battle of holiness and righteousness and the things that we value the most. Who do you want to be? It's not the person that comes out when you're not worshiping. The person that I know that I want my friends to know and my coworkers and my they I want my people to see me as the righteous, kind, generous, loving, faith-filled, you know, God-fearing. That's the version I want people to see. And it's only when I forget to stay in tuned with God. And he Paul says, be in prayer always. So what are you saying? 
Brother Lawrence wrote a book a few years, a lot of years ago, a few hundred years ago, uh, called, called Practicing His Presence. And he was implying in this book that what we want to do is always stay connected with God. Every moment of every day. Remember the promise of Jesus is that he would be with you always. The problem that I have in my life is not that he's with me, it's that I'm with him. See, I can be fully married and not married at all. I can be at work and not there. I can be in a conversation with you, telling me all, you're telling me all about all the problems in your life, and I'm not present. You can be in church, but your hands lifted high and your heart is not engaged. And what we want is to make sure that we are fully engaged in Christ. That He is with us, and more importantly, we are with Him. That He is in us and through us, and I have to keep going. One more cool verse, don't be drunk with wine, uh, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and, ser- and spiritual songs among yourselves, uh, making music to the Lord in your hearts, and giving thanks for everything that God the Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to try this. Tomorrow, try singing more to the Lord throughout the day. It's hard to be grumpy when you're singing. It's hard to be, uh, and I'll tell you right now, when you get around someone that's singing, it's like you enjoy being around people like that. They've, they've got a different vibe to them than the one that's not talking, not shut down and grumpy pants. And so I want you to, to walk with a song. He's saying that this is the will of God for us to walk with songs in our hearts Put a song in your heart. Let them know you're worthy of it all. Some people, yeah, I'll know I can't sing a tune, you know. But when God's singing through me, man, it's like everything in life is good. Even though it might not be. I love that passage when Paul and Silas were imprisoned, beaten with rods. And in the middle of the night, they looked at each other and said, let's start singing. And it was on that very song that brought an earthquake that shook the prison and the shackles off their hands and feet, like Deb said, because it's a garment of praise that covers a spirit of heaviness. Praise breaks bondage, and it'll break down the situation. There's something about Moses' worship that brought freedom to the people that were under his leadership. And there will be something about your praise and your consistency to connect with the Lord. That will bring a breakthrough for the people around you. Who do you want to have? There's a flesh-driven person inside of you. And there's a godly-driven person inside of you. And they're at war with one another. And, and I think it's just a matter of going from here to here where we're losing the battle. That makes sense? All right, cool. I'm almost done. Um, the second thing is get good friends. One is my worship is my warfare. My second one is, is, is get good friends. I, two, two quick scriptures I'll throw at you and I'll get to the third point. Wounds, uh, Proverbs 27, 6. I love this. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Real friends will tell you the truth even if it hurts your feelings. And I'll tell you, when you tell me the truth, I don't like you. But I will get there. I'll, I, we'll get to that place. 
And sometimes I'm going to tell you things that are going to hurt your feelings, but it's for your sake. Can't tell you how many people have left the house of God because they got called out because they were in sin. Sin is destructive, man. We're going to walk this short, narrow road. And if someone gets in your way and says, look, this is wrong, and it's wrong. And if it hurts your feelings, I'm sorry. I'd rather hurt your feelings than watch you hurt your life and your family and everything that you love and have fought to build. Second thing is iron sharpens iron, so a person sharpens their friend. And I, I, I just think that there's going to be conflict when there's someone that's good in your life. Conflict is good. Conflict is good. Conflict is good. Um, and then I'm going to end with these few verses here. The last thing I think that we need to do better, one, keep worship as our warfare. Two, find people in your life that will draw you closer to the Lord. Three, declare more. And I see this passage as like a total faith builder of recognizing that like I've, I, I know that God's going to come through for me. I know that he's going to come through for me. I know that he's going to come through for me. And so there's just some I think our church is in a season right now where we're believing that God's going to do some great things among us. But I know that there's some people here that are under attack in your life and you don't know where the breakthrough is. And I believe it starts in your worship and your ability to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and you will find that breakthrough. There's some things that I, I there's some really unique scriptures that I, I wanted to just read to you really quick. First one is in, is in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. And I'm going to put it on the screen because I want you to see it. And he said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. And if you're in a battle, a real one, you have the ability to be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. O people of Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid or be discouraged. Because when you become afraid and discouraged, you lose your song. And you start trying to fix the problem that you can't fix. And oftentimes, we make it worse. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Did you hear that? Let me give you uh, several other verses. And I'm hoping to just empower you with an understanding that God is on your side. He loves you. Romans chapter 8, verse 37. No, despite all these things, overwhelmingly victory is ours through Christ who loved us. You got to know that He has won the fight that you're fighting, He's paid the price. Isaiah 41, verse 10 said, Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged. For I am your God, and I will strengthen you and help you, and I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. When I'm reading these verses, I believe that I hope that they land prophetically in your hearts. These are not my words. These are the Lord's. These are his precious promises, and I think that we can stand on his word. 
I love Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 20. He says, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally together and our God will fight for us. I don't know what the heck that looks like. As your pastor, I'm telling you really honest, I don't know what it looks like for God to fight for me. But I believe that he does. And I believe he's working on our behalf in ways that we cannot see or understand. And I'll say it to you this way. Whenever I close with this verse. The battle that you're fighting, because you are in a battle, there is a devil in hell that hates you and he hates the Lord and he wants to end your life because of how much God loves you. And you need to know that he's coming for you. And so you're up against things that are spiritual and both practical. Some of it is largely your fault. You didn't, you spent all your money and you didn't pay your bills and now you have bills and you have no money. And that's your fault. And what I love about Jesus is regardless of whether it was my fault or not, he made it his problem. Wherever you are right now, I believe Jesus gets in the boat with us and he leads us out of the situation we put ourselves in. So whatever you are fighting, whoever you are fighting for, or whatever situation you're in, if you don't have the power, I believe that your tool is in your ability to look and connect and worship the Lord. And He will take care of the rest. He will lead you out of this. And I believe this because of who I have found in Christ Jesus. But let me take you to Isaiah chapter 53. Yet it was our weakness that He carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought that his troubles were a punishment from God. A punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion and crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be made whole. He was whipped so that we can be healed. And all of us were like sheep who strayed away. And we left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid upon him the sins of us all. I want you to know that the war that you're fighting, the Lord has claimed as his. Here's what I have learned. I'm a baseball coach when I'm not here. I'm also married. When my wife is struggling, regardless of whether or not I had a great day or not, when my wife is struggling, we are struggling. When, I, I, when I'm on a baseball team and I'm coaching a team, when one person strikes out or has a bad game, we are having a bad game. Until we all pick back up, we are struggling. And what I love about Jesus is he said, your fight is now my fight. I'm going to pay the price for your fight. I'm going to win your battle. I just need you to look at me. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So tomorrow, your challenge is to worship. Leave here and worship. I challenge you to accelerate the level of your worship like you've never have before. Whether it's through song, whether it's through, through humming, speaking in tongues, praying, whatever you got to do, I'm challenging you to fix your eyes on Christ Jesus and watch peace flood your life as he wins your battles. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you're here. And I thank you that you're moving in our church. And I thank you that you're fighting battles that we can't see or understand. And I believe my job is to look at you and obey you and worship you and love you.
with all of my heart, with all of my mind, with all of my soul, with all of my strength. That's what you're calling me to do. There are some here in this room right now where you would look in your own life and maybe see, maybe you become lukewarm. Maybe you're in a season where you realize you, you don't, you are not passionate about the Lord. You've lost your desire. Maybe today you find yourself in sin or maybe you just have grown cold. But the Lord is calling you back today to a higher standard. He's telling you no this is not acceptable, and this is what I want for you. The Holy Spirit is confirming this on you right now, and I just want to say a special prayer for you. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, Pastor, will you pray for me? I want to, I want to serve the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. If that's you, will you raise your hand right now? God bless you. I love you. God bless you. I love you. God bless you. I love you. Thank you. I believe those are sincere moments. I had one very similar this morning. So, Lord, I surrender my heart to you, as do we all. We lift our hands all across this room. Would you lift your hands right now? You are worthy of it all. Teach my heart to fix my eyes on you, to fight these thoughts in my head, these feelings in my heart, and the situations that I'm up against. I give it all to you. I believe that there's nothing that you can't do and I can't wait to watch you do it. But regardless of however this situation ends, you're good and you've been good to me and you've washed me and cleansed me and I surrender my life to you again today. Lord, would you have your way in my life? Would you use me, God, to minister to others around me? Would you teach me how to worship you? by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, and all God's people said, amen. I love you guys. Uh, Y'all don't know this, but this is like a precursor for anything that I'm gonna say over the next couple years, but next week I expect all of y'all hands lifted high the whole service. We're just gonna, the the moment your hands come down, we're just gonna lower the volume of the worship thing, and it's gonna get to like a whisper in here. We're gonna see how that goes. Hey, uh, Father, I pray that your hand is with these folks and that you bless them this week as they go in their battle, that they're surrendering to you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, the Lord is my banner. I love you guys. Thank you for joining us at The Way today. Our prayer is that through a relationship with Jesus, you would know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit us online at thewaylakeland.com or by visiting our Facebook page, At The Way Lakeland, or Instagram page, At The Way Church Lakeland.